And welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah, that was terrible. That yeah, was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it just like, you scared me. <laughs> You're getting better at that. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we form the Dice Men of the Dice and Screaming Podcast. Yes, we're here. And it's getting kind of crazy well, outside. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're staring down incoming storms, so there, there may be free sound effects. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That'd be great if it just, like, punctuates and, you know, like, we just say something really awesome and then it's followed up with BOOM! Just laid the law down. Like the vengeful fist of God. So saith Zeus. Oh. Um, yeah, so. We has been smote. Yeah, so we're hoping your Tuesday is going pretty good for you. Uh, it's a little hot around here, but hey, you know, coming up to the forest, so we'll and definitely be... Uh, my apologies for the uh, absence of Friday. That was purely on me. Uh, however, oh, technical difficulties do happen, so... <laughs> we roll with the punches here at the Dice Screening Podcast. We just basically make it up as we go along. Oh, yeah. That and what can you expect from the... Oh, hell, yes, the... Almost out of range, light rock FM station of gaming podcasts. Light where, rock, yeah, where, where you know it's all staticky, and you can just you, you can still make it out, but you almost kind of wish you couldn't. Like wingers, edgy <laughs> for them. Yeah, yeah, oh. that, that's that's pushing oh. the edge for them. Wow, you really know it me where it hurts, man. <laughs> just really, okay. Hey. But, you know, we got some good topic for you tonight, going into some classic content, so hopefully you'll stick around for that, as well as we got a call-in from Joe Richter about our small gaming little uh, segment. Yeah, we had a lot of fun talking about small gaming groups and uh, solo gaming and all that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, like we uh, did mention, the uh, Tunnels and Trolls had some solo gaming material that was pretty much uh, an easy-to-pick-up system and just uh, play with, but uh, some other people... Did take me a task on forgetting some of the other solo gaming uh, venues. Oh, and, did they now? Yeah. Yeah, that uh, D&D and the Endless Quest books. But I really don't call them gaming gaming because you didn't really roll dice. But there was a oh. lot of AD&D uh, books that were uh, published that had uh, kind of a, their own little system but resembled D&D. Oh, that were published by TSR that did have dice. Oh, hey, you know, you learn something new every day. Ooh. Oh, not sure if I approve. Oh, diceless gaming. No, 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 they had dice. Oh, oh okay, okay. The Endless Quest was the ones with, you know, you just pick a path. Ah, all right. But they did come out with uh, ones where you actually uh, created a character with stats and rolled dice, saw combat and all that. But it was mm. a little different than your normal D&D game. But, you know... That's uh, just a little addendum on that. Bravo. Well, good on them. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, there, there is just a validity that it's... Uh, <laughs> it can go either way. Gaming happens when the table only has a couple of people, and it happens when the, the table is so full that it creaks. Uh, yep. <laughs> so pick your poison and choose your weapons carefully when there, you uh, assist them. There is no one true way. And all game is awesome. That's right. So, we did have a call in from Joe Richter, so we're going to get right to that. And we'll be back after the call in. What is up, my friends? That was another fantastic episode. Uh, I've never personally run for 
a single person before, but I think I would really, really enjoy it. I think the only problem is there's probably maybe three, four, maybe five people in the whole world I could think of that I'd be willing to do that with. So uh, that's probably be one issue for me, but I would definitely love to give it a try sometime. Uh, as far as running for a small group, that's what I do. Uh, there's only three of us in the Wheeler Woe. Uh, three players plus me, and so that's just my wheelhouse now. <clears throat> I think four is like great. Uh, I I w- I've done more. I've done six, but four is awesome. Three is really good too. So you guys keep it up. Thanks so much. Peace out. All right, and thanks for that, Joe. Yeah, that's uh about three people. That's not a bad group. Uh, anywhere from three to six, I think, is a nice, comfortable number to deal with. But uh, small group gaming for one or two people can uh, go off pretty well. As a matter of fact, this weekend I ended up doing it uh, with Call of Cthulhu. So. Yeah, I actually have some very fond memories of games of a limited size that, uh, you know, just involved one other person or just two other people. And in almost every instance, just a great time was had. A couple, every once in a while, that was mostly on me, a little lackluster, a little unprepared. But most of the time, outstanding. And, of course, whenever you have uh, a canceled game or limited show-up of your players, you know, you can always whip out small scenarios or games that are suited for smaller groups. But, um, anyway, we'll be uh, discussing more small group gaming and uh, other stuff in particular, probably a little bit later on after our 100th episode, which we're slowly creeping up on. This is oh, episode it's, 98, so we're just... We're only a couple away. Yeah, we got one more. We got our... 99th and then our 100th episode, of course, which will uh, be a very special topic to us, and hopefully you'll uh, enjoy it as well. But uh, we're going to take a quick break for our Bill Payne. We're going to do a little uh, advertising here, and uh, we'll be right back at you with tonight's topic. And we're back. And thanks for uh, sticking around, listening to our little uh, advertisement there for Anchor FM. If you're getting into the podcast thing, uh, Anchor FM is a great way to get started. So, Yeah, I unilaterally support it. It is a terrific medium. And not just saying that, you know. Yeah, we enjoy it every week. So. Love it. I have enjoyed this immensely. So, tonight's topic. Uh, yeah, it's Topic Tuesday. So, you know, in, in keeping with tradition, we're, we're going with something a little in the classic category. Old school gaming to modern era, our real forte this is our wheelhouse. Yep, so uh, stretching it out like an old piece of gum. We're just trying to string it along here, so sorry about that. We're going to talk about Rangers. Yeah, the classic class. The you know, it, it, We all have the picture of Aragorn. He's one of them Rangers. Huh. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, Drizzt, Dwarden, and others, came to symbolize Rangers in a different light. Of course, the gaming community uh, adopts and changes as uh, new ideas come in and out, as well as uh, pop culture. So, all the classes have gone through. Well, I mean, obviously, the baseline fighter has not had any radical alterations per se, uh, but you know, I mean, there there well, have been some advancements. Yeah, there in the way in there's which, definitely been yeah a lot going on with uh, different classes throughout various editions. Uh, yeah, the advent of feats, of course. Uh, made it possible to mix things up. But the Ranger, like all the others, has had quite the evolutionary period here. Yeah, even more than the Paladin, the Ranger came from a really strange place. It doesn't really uh, 
it's not really represented outside of the idea and token. I mean, you can put historical connotations. The historical connotation of Ranger was just basically kind of a lawkeeper that uh, was beholden only nominally to a lord or a certain place. Sort of to keep the law in lawless lands. Yeah, just the idea of a road warden or a military pathfinder. Uh, you know, somebody who had the wood sense uh, that would allow them to survive in the wild and, and recognize what was going on about them. Uh, and to either report back when necessary to uh, bring information or deal with the problem on their own out there. Uh, in the wilderness by themselves. Yeah, especially in the Scottish Highlands where the term was uh, first coined, I believe, and then, of course, was uh, shifted over to the Texas Rangers. But enough historical. We'll talk right about fantasy. And, of course, uh, the Ranger made its glorious appearance in the Strategic Review, number two, actually, yeah. of the first volumes there. Um, the Ranger was kind of a strange class at first because it melded together both magic and druidical magic. Arcane and Druid, well, I guess would be a better way to put it. Magic is just spells and Druid spells. And had a long list of items that was pretty heavily uh, attached to Aragorn. Crystal balls, certain, oh, yes. uh, magic rings, <clears throat> and, uh, of course, swords. But, yeah, uh, well uh, geared towards just wearing any armor and just going out into the wilderness and surprising people and not easy to surprise. Very hard to surprise in the early edition, as well as having a gamut of foes with which they would do extra damage to in melee. Yeah, a semi-specialized fighter. Uh, now, uh, I'm, I've really got to ask, uh, to your knowledge, uh, in that very earliest iteration, was the alignment requirement in place? Yes, yes. yes. So. Uh, first, uh, well, the early edition, uh, when it was just D&D, &D, yeah, they had to be good. Uh, all right, and that continued into the first edition iteration of the yep. Ranger, which, uh, again, as I recall them at that era, uh, you know, here you had a stalwart protector of the land and people living along the fringes of civilization uh, who specialized in defeating certain humanoid creatures that were most likely to encroach on humanoid lands. So an adept fighter... Uh, unusually competent against specific humanoid creatures and it threw in the tracking uh, outdoors, mm -hmm. the difficulty to surprise, and a little smattering of magic. All in exchange for a alignment requirement. And yeah, they weren't restricted by uh, wearing metal armor. No. Uh, you know, chain mail, that, they could wear plate mail but it kind of nerfs your sneakiness. Uh, in the yeah, they didn't. Uh, actually, it didn't really matter. There was no nothing in the rules that stated it, as as well shown by, to myself, uh, to my regret. But hey, you know that was just the way the game was played, and I'm pretty sure that if somebody wanted to make the argument, uh, there's before the age of YouTube when somebody could demonstrate somebody doing cartwheels and play mail, they probably could have <laughs> snuck around and played mail. So yeah, yeah, uh, it, a lot of that weaselry took place in in the less carefully defined editions uh, where armor penalties were not you know, express, expressly uh, pointed out. It was more encumbrance might have been an issue. Right. Uh, and there were some statistic requirements uh, for the Ranger class. The 
Uh, yeah, you had the to... attributes were pretty steep. You you had to be really at your A game. You had to have some good stiff numbers behind you as well. Not as uh, demanding as the monk or the paladin, of course, but uh, no. a little bit more uh, better than, say, a uh, druid. You had a few more connotations of things to, and you had to have high strength and a heavy constitution, so. And a smattering of good wisdom yeah. did not hurt you. Uh, you. You had to have that. A ranger could not simply be tough. They also had to be sensible. And smart. Uh, yeah, smirts. Yeah, right. got them smirts. Um, Something that we all lack occasionally now and then, but hey, uh, it comes and goes. That's what I like to say. But that gets you your first edition ranger, which oh, and the other facet, uh, the the thing that made them an instant hit, uh, standard eight sided die for hit points, but they got two of them at first level, so they they come out of the gate much tougher than yeah, and that. It balances out as the levels go by and the, the other classes are piling up their hit points. But the Ranger's no slouch. Uh, you started off with a couple of good rolls. Uh, you had twice the number of hit points of any fighter in the party. Yeah, you were most like, voted most likely to survive your first level dungeon. And not a bad scenario to be in. Now the magic and the druidic spells did not kick in until much later. Yeah, you had to be pretty pretty high level, around 7th or 8th, before you'd start seeing anything from that. Now that uh, didn't really seem particularly exciting to me, because by the time you've reached that level, those are some useful little spells, but you don't have a great deal of need for them. You know, you've, you've just got so much... Uh, strength in terms of combat ability mm-hmm. that uh, a little magical trickery doesn't seem all that especially useful unless your DM is cunning and evil and you may need every resource on deck to get things done. Yeah, the druidic spells did come in pretty handy in a short term right, uh, yeah, with obscurement and uh, fairy fire, things like that. But yeah, by the time you got to like fourth level druid spells, I mean, yeah, it's like, okay, I guess I can kind of neutralize poison. You know, I can be handy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do after that? You know, uh, Well, uh, I, I cast sleep. Everything's over four hit dice, dude. Yeah. Uh, now, invisibility, on the other hand, yeah, always well, useful. Uh, you know, if you're in a sneaky scenario, if, if your DM has carefully crafted the adventure so that you have these needs upon you, like, I can't just, I could theoretically fight my way through this, but it will damage my end point. You know, the, the thing, the goal that I'm... The MacGuffin I'm after today will be lost to me if I just carve through here like a butcher. <laughs> hey, that sounds like fun. But, well, man, a lot of carving. Uh, yeah? You know, you drop a high-level ranger into a nest full of humanoids and just pow! Wow, that sounds so cool, like just, from just, the back of a copper dragon. Just just let him go. Just let him go. Let him have this, you know. Yeah, bring a feather-falling copper dragon, you're off. <laughs> it's a deep insertion. Yep. Okay, so. Drop him in the middle of uh, that... Uh, Hobgoblin encampment and let him, let him, let him loose. <laughs> and uh, well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about one of the great things about playing a ranger, especially in the later part of the first edition, was the bizarre followers you got. I mean, you could get a bear, or you know, maybe a weird creature like a tiger, or something outside of the norm of your terrain. But yeah, you, you got could more... also get a treant, a copper dragon as a follower. Yeah, even in the original iteration, uh, rangers did not gain, uh, or well, they had the option to gain 
a weird coterie of followers as opposed to it, more like a gang of adventurers that traveled with yeah, them instead you, of a standard you got militia. a lot of different like uh, near-to-do-wells or what would seem to be outcasts, a lot of fighter thieves of uh, elven, half-elven descent, um, even some gnomes and stuff, more woodland-type creatures, but of course yeah. anything could uh, really be used as a ranger follower and after a certain Said, I mean, there was a couple of dragon magazines that expanded their followers way out, you know, by terrain. Like, if you were an Arctic Ranger, obviously you wouldn't be having a treant, but you might have a polar Me bear. Me and my polar bear, kicking butt and taking names. Yeah. <laughs> the seals will be crying tonight. Oh, sea lions, dude. Um, so, another thing that happened in first edition, and uh, this was uh, not really uh, reflective of the Ranger class per se, but uh, Rangers got a weird kind of uh, boost when Ernest Arcana rolled around with weapon specialization. Now, yeah, now we're talking as we hit that 1.5, you know, in between first and second edition. Uh, yeah, the bow specialization period. Wasn't that great? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you uh, dropped... Uh, in first level, you can drop every weapon but one and get double specialized in a bow. Only a ranger could do this at first level. Yeah, nobody, n- none of the other classes could really pull this off until they were much higher level. Uh, the ranger could go one of two ways, specializing their, their weapon points in either two-handed fighting style. Oh, no, they didn't get that. They didn't get that in person. person. That was Unearthed Edition, or no. Unearthed Arcana, no, wasn't no, it? No, no, they got, no. All they got was both specialization. They didn't... Oh. That was second edition. It's, you know, after Dritz Storden showed up, every oh, ranger okay. wanted to be a two-weapon. Two swords, two swords, two swords. Okay, well then, uh, the option that was left was uh, the bow edition, which suddenly being able to do point-blank shot and get extra damage. You had double um, damage at point-blank range, which was 6 to 16 points of damage. Extended a long range categories uh, with diminished... Uh, disadvantage for range, so they they lost some of the modifiers that like oh they're way out there like the 180 foot mark. It's all right, Ranger still you know like he's not footing that like minus four penalty or anything. Yeah, he's still getting like only a minus two. Yeah, so way out in the ranges, the you know extreme ranges of the bow and additional shots per round. Which now, if Ooh. you're very careful in the first edition, a person who well, all bows fired two shots per round. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one if you had the initiative fairly early in the combat, at whatever your appropriate time was, and then kind of a round closing shot. Uh, if you were very specific and your DM was, you know, pretty lenient, if you traveled with the bow in hand, knocked and at the ready, uh, and achieved surprise, you could get off a free shot. Uh, yeah, well, actually, the the I hate to use that. Well, actually, um, AD&D uh, rules weren't as clear as uh, some would lead lead you to believe. Uh, but surprise rounds, you got double fire. Oh yeah. boy, you don't even want to really deal with a bunch of bowmen right with ready. But the ranger got uh, with double specialization, or any fighter, anybody with double specialization, about before initiative was even dropped, if they started the round. Or started a combat with uh, an arrow knocked in at the ready, they could before the initiative die hit the table fire a shot off. Yep. And that was the you know kind of room clear. Like three shots later, everybody's laying down dead. I shoot the mage in the face again oh. and again and again. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Try and get that fireball off. Oh. Rangers with surprise. Now, there are ways to curb the ability to surprise people, which is if you've got an entire party right behind you with a noisy fighter and plate mail and no tracking and exactly. no sneaking skills, then, yeah, you've just nerfed the ranger's ability to creep on people. However, uh, if they let the ranger do what the ranger does, you're like, yeah, no, 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 go ahead, go go out ahead of us, you and the rogue, stay quiet. Yeah, they, they could be a dangerous combo. They could uh, they could definitely clear a room by themselves if they gain surprise. But even so, that that first shot before initiative was rolled was, to some DMs was rather annoying. But of course, this of course hastened the approach of second edition. So when second edition rolled out, the Rangers saw a significant lowering of his powers. Gone were their ability to wear any armor. They were now restricted to medium kind of light types of armor. Studded leather, I, I think they capped out a chainmail yep. in that edition where they, they could wear nothing heavier than that and still enjoy their powers. Yeah, they gave them more specific rogue sneaking abilities. And so if you wore heavy armor, of course, that negated those percentages. And in that second edition, of course, skills played in, and proficiencies yeah. played a new role. So they gave the ranger... Uh, some boosts to very specific skills and proficiencies, including tracking. Uh, but, yeah, well, and they did not take away the magic that the ranger enjoyed, mm-hmm. nor did they take away the bonus against special foes entirely. Well, entirely, yeah. They just gave him a plus four to hit, which was like, okay, at first level, very good. Yeah. Maybe even fourth or fifth level if you chose something particularly like nasty, like an outsider type A creature. bonus to hit against your chosen foes, but it nerfed the massive damage <laughs> bonus that they received. Oh, yeah, so it, it was a mixed bag. There were some people who uh, probably grieved a little more than some. Uh, Ranger oh. enthusiasts did not find it entertaining to lose that damage bonus. And they also standardized them with other fighter types with just a single die ten. Yeah... Less so. enthused about that. I thought they lost a little character. Yeah, I, I personally changed but the, uh, the, the ranger bonus. Uh, the ability to specialize any character class with the two-weapon fighting style if you were willing to spend the points. Okay? Yep. yep I, um, I approved of that in theory, but it was just a thing that people could learn. Mm-hmm. Two-weapon fighting was a proficiency, not technically a weapon proficiency, but... I don't in think first I edition, uh, anybody could fight with two weapons. It was it was just dependent on your dexterity. It was kind of like a, one of those hidden little rules. I don't think I ever ran a character that uh, fought two weapon style at all. Yeah. Uh, I really should change that someday and just have fun with it. Uh, I I tended to mono focus on the like heavy hitting either the axe slash beat and main. You know, sword and board, uh, classic sword and shield, or two-handed weapon. Oh. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Oak I mean, smash. You know, nothing wrong with uh, any style play, but... But no rangers continued evolving. It, it got weirder still. Yeah, uh, they came out with the ranger's handbook, uh, which uh, provided uh, kits. These were specifically made to give uh, rangers a different feel. And of course, still with uh, second edition, uh, you know, you were still playing pretty much the first edition. It was a little bit more cleaned up. Uh, gone were all the uh, kind of rule contrivances and special circumstances that kind of niched the game to certain weapons or conditions. But in this one, in second edition, one thing that it really did well is it played smoothly. And I think of, of all the things that you can detract away from second edition, it did this, it did that. 
it 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 cleaned up the game and it made it more approachable. I'm anything of uh, you want to detract from away from that. That's on you. I, to me, I think it did a fine job and well. Yeah, we we've touched on you know some of our uh, disappointment with facets of the various editions. Uh, but overall, I mean, it did not impede play. It was it was a smooth, easier to learn system uh, compared to mm. you know, like. Am I saying that it was the penultimate creation? No. Well, you know, no. people still kind of think oh, and things like that drove people nuts. And of course, it was a little hard to explain at first. But once you got the grasp of it, it was all right. But yeah, still burdened with some of the problems of first edition. That you know, uh, third second edition I think would go on for quite a while before uh, third edition. And again, oh, very. the ranger would change once more. Yeah, the the most uh, radical shift for a lot of people was that second, third jump. Yeah, uh, it was quite the change where feats became the new medium. Uh, but you know, rangers once again uh, they underwent a pretty radical transformation, like everything did. Uh, but they had a unique path. Uh, there were just certain things in every class that were unique to that class, feats that mm-hmm. nobody else was going to get them. The only way to get them was to be in that particular class. So the ranger could pursue some very rangerly appropriate feats. Uh, well, yeah, they were very uh, top-heavy at first, uh, especially 3.0, but not going to get too far into that uh, rabbit hole. We've already off no. the weeds with the second edition. Just to say that when 3.5 came about, they started giving the ranger an animal companion. And that was starting to shape the ranger to now a precision-type character that was more in line with actually the original concept of the class. And, uh, you know, specific bonuses versus other creatures, pathfinders would uh, break that down over time. You know, your primary, your secondary, and tertiary. Uh, yeah, enemies the, that you would gain as apparently the campaign would start. And rather than unloading it all in one lump, like your first level and you just... Get I hate this, giants! Again, you get this against everything of all these different types. No, I, I thought it was a reasonable compromise that they yeah. basically said that as the levels go by, you select what's appropriate to your campaign. You know, who, who does... Mm-hmm. who? Who does your party deal with most often that the ranger would ultimately need this bonus to use effectively against them? All of a sudden, you know, here's this measured system where it's not just one creature. Uh, It's as you gain levels, you know, it gets more and more uh, spread around, you know. Like, well, yeah, we've got the hobgoblins to the south of us and the giants up in the north. Mm. You know, so you, in that campaign setting... uh, as your levels go up and you're facing tougher opponents, you adjust accordingly and add another favored enemy type. Yep. And uh, very, I thought it was a very good compromise. Yeah, and I think that also lowering the spells from like 8th level down to 4th was probably one of the better ideas that uh, came out of 3rd edition. Yeah. Like Paladins and Rangers getting the secondary kind of spell casting martial classes getting access to their spells a little earlier. So you Back when they're still highly useful, because a 5th level party average, uh, they're going to get some mileage out of those spells. They're going to find themselves in need of resources. Maybe the cleric is all tapped out, uh, or the mage is running a little low. And here's this character with some backup spells. That also means your spellcasters can focus on the stuff that 
you know the ranger or paladin can't have uh, and dividing the the load like that just it it really works well with a party that thinks tactically yeah and so, it builds teamwork three and three point five really did some favors there yep but the good old ranger's been with us through just about every edition thick and thin yeah still just there basic the D&D, it really wasn't around but you know that can't be helped i've heard some people uh, decry that well you know about basic an expert didn't have a ranger well, you know, I think that the, the setting was better for that. And Elf was a class. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I love basic DD. I'm not going to put no. I have. I'm not going to slam, uh, slam it down too hard. But I am going to say that there, you can't go too far with that analogy. Yeah, it, uh, that, I, I like know. I think it's better without the ranger because you know then you're just a fighter. And like, hey, oh yeah, I get it. But you know what? If sometimes I just like to play basic DD just to play a dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Dwarf is a class. Too. Yeah. So it's happily. Yeah, and they're grumpy too. That's what's <laughs> the best thing about being a dwarf is. Narg. Angry and beardy. And drunk. <laughs> oh no, I, I like the uh, the iteration of dwarves that I, I created in uh, the homebrew campaign. They were all more like Swedes, you know. So instead of your typical Scottish dwarf. So no true Scotsman dwarf. Huh? Yeah, the, the no true Scotsman dwarf. Yeah, they're not they're not Scottish sounding at all. No. Uh, you know, we are the people of the stone. Well, back in my day, we weren't all Scotsman dwarves. We were just dwarves, just grumpy. Yeah, which again, a lot of fun. But uh, the ranger survived all of those iterations and is still present in the fifth edition. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the notable things from third edition on. They dispensed with the alignment requirement yes. and the you know, like human or half elven requirement, and they basically just opened the door that everybody can be a ranger uh, because every culture has its pathfinders, its you know woods warriors, monster its, hunters, and all you know that. Uh, its you know wardens of the road, its its keepers of peace on the fringe of civilization, and not every culture expects them to engage in chivalrous, almost knightly behavior. Uh, many of those cultures, you know, were perfectly acceptable using a ranger more like, uh, well, oh, well, you I, I don't want to say like a, a mercenary. Well, you could say. play like a, a military-type scout. But also who, a bounty, but also hunter. A bounty hunter. Yeah. Exactly, that's where I was going. Great minds yeah, think like Boba Fett almost, you know. Is it, oh, man, I was thinking the guy with no name, you know. Clint Eastwood. Oh, all right. A little high plane. You know, he can't really see because his eyes are half closed all the damn time. But uh, whatever happened to Levon Cleveland? I don't know. No, thank you. Because <laughs> you were thinking it. I, you knew I was thinking that. I got to throw a primus. I got to throw at least something obscure in there, and that, that was it. Besides saying remiss all the time. Um, no, no, I, I enjoyed. Look, there were some people who objected in many respects to the dropping of the alignment requirement and the racial requirements. I did not actually object to that. It made a certain sense to me that uh, the concept of the ranger loosely applies in so many different cultures and so many different dynamics that it's completely appropriate for it to be accessible uh, with slight differences here and there. Yeah, I think that uh, your fry, uh, circuit's got fried a little bit when you met a 
Frost Giant Ranger. Yeah, all right. Look, uh, <laughs> running into monsters that had leveled classes that had not in the past uh, did fry my circuits in my introduction to 3.5. I... Uh, like I, Goblin Rogues, for instance. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, you little sneaky uh, gets when then they sneak up behind you and backstab you, and ow, it really hurts, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, Dis- near disembowelment by a single goblin was just one of those. I think it was more of a kidney moment. removal. Yeah. To run right with your kidney and sell it on the I open market. Woke up in a bathtub full of ice going, what the heck? What was that? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I was safer just drinking in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, the Rangers been with us in many editions, and hopefully they'll stay there for some time to come. Because you always need somebody to find the traps and in the woodlands with their survival skills, do all the kinds of scouting and expeditious type stuff, making sure that you got plenty of rations and water, and scolding the party members for poor fire maintenance in the woodlands because <laughs> only you. <laughs> Only you can prevent forest fires. Uh, it, and uh, being attacked by angry treants. Hey, and less hippie than those damn druids. Uh, oh, yeah. Returning to my ancient bias. Uh, just S- Steve and his badger. <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, I mean, I, I cannot see a druid without thinking of the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, that's just like your opinion, man. So, <laughs> so uh... I think that's going to wrap it up for the Ranger. No, no. We walked around was, quite a bit with him. It was a good session. I I, I enjoyed yeah, Ranger is good classic material. Yeah, had a good time. Uh, we hope you did too. And, of course, if you have any comments or questions or concerns, because you have to listen to us for a while, you should have some concerns. Yeah, fire the catapults at us with messages tied to the huge rocks. That's right. And not the feathery kind. <laughs> the kind, you know, like bits of stone, you know, large rock. All right. Yeah. So... If you have any of those things, you can send them to us on Twitter at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H A N D Gaming. Or Magi Vox at Twitter. Or just get a hold of us on our Facebook page, The Dice is Screaming. And let us know what you think, if you'd like us to talk about anything in particular, or if you have any ideas. But we'll be coming at you Friday with our 99th episode, and then after that, yeah. our next topic. Yeah. Uh, top secret. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're, 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 we've hinted at it in the past. There, there's been some mutterings. The kimono is fluttering in the breeze, but we're not giving it away just yet. Uh, it'll be a very, very special episode that is going to be dear to us. Yeah, so we'll probably go for a full hour on that one. Yeah, we're we're probably going to run over time on the 100th episode, uh, Cause Celeb. Because it's well worth it, and it, it's a topic that totally merits that much time. We've, we've got a lot of ground to cover on that one, and... Since it's the 100th episode, we won't break down and do a two-parter. We will just hammer it all out in one session. That's right. So, be prepared. Take your Dramamine. Have a bowl of popcorn. <laughs> a blanket. Preferably um, some light alcohol. Yeah. Don't overdo it. And a glass of wine and a Snuggie. Yep. A Snuggie. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you Friday with our... A little rant coming up, and of course, until next time, may the the dice dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.